for your faithfulness. verse it said and he saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship now when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets a drought and Simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net amen we uh, looked at this momentarily on Sunday night um, but I want to talk to you from here this morning on this subject of nevertheless nevertheless after a long unsuccessful night we find that Jesus told Simon Peter to launch out into the deep and we know that the master's words Simon launched out into the deep He did what he had told him to do, and the Bible says that there were so many fish that the net was broken. He called other boats in, other fishermen in, to help with this great abundance of fish. To make a long story short, there was an overload. There was such a blessing that that they were not able to receive it or contain it all. Isn't that a great place to be? is in an overload blessing. Amen. To be in a place of overload blessing. In verse 3, it tells us that Jesus entered into Simon's boat and asked him to thrust out a little further from the land. And then he sat down and began to teach. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus stopped speaking and he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a a great catch of fish. And Simon replied, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I will do and let down the nets. Amen? And so Jesus says, Jesus stopped speaking, and he said something to Simon. In other words, he Stop talking, Jesus, stop talking, and immediately he begins to talk again. 
You see, I, Jesus never stopped talking. He, no matter how we feel, no matter how discomfortable we are, no matter what lack of faith or have faith, uh, it doesn't matter because God never stops speaking. The moment that he gets done speaking one thing, he starts speaking another thing. The moment that he declares one thing, he begins to declare something else. He, he, he gets done speaking and he starts speaking. We must understand that they, the type of conversation that Jesus was having here in verse number four, when he says he stopped speaking means that he stopped speaking from the uh, boat to the people. But he continued his conversation and began to speak and address Peter privately. He engages him in conversation and this conversation isn't about the crowd. It isn't about the multitude. It is about a personal conversation with Peter. And he gives him instruction personally to launch out into the deep and and didn't ask Peter what he thought about the sermon. He didn't ask Peter, did I do a good job with my illustration today? He didn't ask Peter, was it powerful? Was my points powerful? Was was they clear? Was they easy to understand? He didn't talk anything about the sermon. He just gives Peter further instruction. Amen. He, and and don't, don't, do you believe that when you come to the house of the Lord, that the, the whenever, whoever, if it's me or if it's someone else that is here preaching, that God will speak through his servant? Amen. Amen. And so if we believe that, but after he speaks through the message, then he wants to give us a personal conversation about that message. He doesn't just want it to end here in the sanctuary, but he wants to have a personal conversation with you and with I about the furtherance of that message as it pertains to you and I. Amen. He, he want, wants to ask you, what are you going to do with the word you heard today? Are you going to step out uh, and, and begin to practice it? Are you going to allow, allow it to change you, to stretch you? Are you going to allow it to rearrange you? Are you going to allow the word to challenge your thinking? Are you going to allow it to cause you to become a better person? What are you going to do with the word after you hear it? Amen. What are you going to do after the word has been preached? Every time the word is preached publicly, the spirit of the Lord will come and and have a conversation with us privately if we will allow it. That's the amazing thing about the power of God. I can, I, I've preached messages before and, and people have come to me afterward and, and said, wow, I, I really appreciate you bringing out such and such a, a point. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I didn't even have no inkling of an idea about that point. But Holy Spirit had a personal conversation with them about the word. 
and he began to give them instruction or direction or help in a private way even though it was a public message and that's what we see here we see the spirit of the Lord comes to Simon Peter and gives him a conversation and begins to speak to him about going deeper in the things of the spirit amen and I believe that that's what God wants us to do he wants us to hear the public word but what are we going to do after we hear the word if we don't ever apply what we hear to our life then we will never change we will we'll continue to be what we are right now but Peter heard the word of the Lord and responded to the word amen Jesus preached from the boat and he went to Peter and he gave him instruction he gave him a challenge to make him a better entrepreneur he gave him instruction that would make him a better businessman. He told him, this is what you need to do. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Right? And Peter responded like most of us most of the time. Why, Lord? <laughs> Amen. Why? We, 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 and he begins to, to defend himself. He, he says, why? And Peter said, we've toiled all night like Jesus didn't know. We've, we've labored hard. We've done all of these things and we've labored hard and we've toiled and we've done it all night long and, 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 and we came back with lack. We came back with nothing. What is it that, that whenever you have done all that you can do and it's not enough? What is it that you do whenever you have labored and you have worked hard and you have toiled and that will cause you to get up and try again? What is it will cause you that even though that, that, that what you have done, you have you've followed instruction, you've been obedient into guidance of what the Holy Spirit is directing you to do, but somehow it does not work out. What, what causes a person to rise up and do it again? That's where Peter was. He had a choice to make to say, I, we went out, we, we toiled, we labored, we did all of this, but we caught nothing. And, and, and here we, we see a lot of times that people are making our own excuses of, Lord, I, I know, but, but I, I don't have the education. I know, but, but the, you don't understand the economy of the day. God, I, I know, but there's limitations in my life. And I was abused. I was abandoned and I was uh, left whatever and we tell God all of these excuses as if he don't already know but does it ever cross your mind that even though he knew he still chose to have a personal conversation with you he chose to speak to you in such a manner to challenge the lack to challenge the failure to challenge the abandonment to challenge the things of your past to bring you from where you are to where he intends for you to be and so he is speaking to us today and he is speaking to us corporately but yet individually and saying, I want you to launch out a little further. Yeah. Amen. Yes, every time you hear the word preach, there is a war in our mind that takes place. There is a war that goes on after we hear the word. Huh? I don't want to, to uh, you know, I'm, it's not because I'm all of that, but I'm very selective in what I listen to. 
But I want, I want something to challenge me when I listen to a thing. I don't want the same old regurgitated thing that I've heard over and over. I want something to challenge me. And every once in a while when I listen to something, it'll make me mad. Whenever in my mind I say, uh-uh, that ain't right. That's not the way it is. It can't be that way. In my mind, it's a challenge. It's a struggle in my flesh that says it because of the traditions, the way I've been taught, it challenges me. Huh? But you see, I love that because when you challenge that, it's pushing on you to say, is this the word of God? Is this truth? Or is this just something that, that in good man's good intentions, we've created this barrier or this wall within ourselves of limitation. But God wants us to face those questions and say, are we going to believe or are we not going to believe? Most often when we're faced with questions, we do what Peter did. We, we talk about all of the toil and the labor. We talk about all how hard we have worked. We talk about how we fasted and how we prayed, huh? We talk about all we've done, uh, you know, for the Lord. We've done all of this and we've done all of that. But you see, we, we proclaim how we have done all of this and nothing to show for it. Amen. We argue with God and say it just doesn't work that way. Amen. Let's look at verse 5. After Peter tells Jesus why it won't work, he uses a transitional word. Nevertheless. That's a powerful word. Nevertheless. It means to pause. It means to rewind. It means to start over again. Amen. I may be broke. I may be sick. I may not understand. I may not have been, I may have been beat down my whole life. But pause. Rewind. Start over again. Nevertheless, at your word, I will move and, and have, in, in my being, I will have a living God. I will be who God calls me to be. I will do what he calls me to do. When you're, in, when you're entangled in the an argument within yourself, you need to say, nevertheless, at your word. Amen. Yes, I know all of this, but let me just say this today and see if I can get it right. I know, you understand that I'm not an English professor right <laughs> you can listen to me one time and figure that out <laughs> amen but i do do some studying on words and this nevertheless it's interesting because it is a conjunction but it's not a conjunction you know it's sort of like the word but but it's not see but adds to a thing you say this such and such but so you're adding what you just said to what you're now saying. And if you don't have your butt in the right place, nothing will ever make any sense. Amen. You'll get that on the way home. Amen. But this word nevertheless doesn't add to a thing. It erases what has been and says it is all new. 
In fact, the word nevertheless doesn't even take into consideration what has been said, if it's true or if it's a lie. It doesn't can take into consideration if it's factual or it's not. It does because it doesn't add to what has been spoken. It erases what has been spoken and said even though it may be factual or it may be a lie, it really doesn't matter because nevertheless. In fact, what it's saying is I'm putting my faith on or I'm putting my leverage in. Not what has been said, but what I'm about to say. Hallelujah. It says that, that what it is saying is, well, you know, I, it is true. It may be factual that I'm broke but the fact is I'm putting my leverage in nevertheless that he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory amen the fact may be stacked up that I am sick but the, I'm nevertheless he is my healer and by his stripes I am healed and so nevertheless does not add something to what has been said it rewinds it and says even though it may be factual nevertheless at the word of God it really doesn't matter I'm sick broke busted and disgusted because nevertheless the word of the Lord stands true and is powerful and will do a thing in my life if you believe it give him praise today you see your flesh agrees with God telling him all of the reasons that it won't work but your spirit tells you Nevertheless, amen. Sometimes you just got to shut your mouth and tell the devil, you got to get behind me because nevertheless, in the middle of my mess, God is going to make a way for me. He's going to provide in this situation he's going to turn this thing around because his word is greater than what has happened or is happening when we listen to the word we need to stop picking and choosing what does and doesn't apply to us and just accept the whole word the eternal word the whole truth and nothing but the truth <laughs> Amen. And just take it all. For instance, some folks, they'll, they'll accept healing. They'll believe God is our healer. And we'll say yes to that word. But then whenever we bring up about financial prosperity, we say, well, it all sounds good, but that won't never happen for me. Amen. That's good for somebody else, but, but it just don't work good for me. We, we pick and we choose what we say will work and won't work in our lives and oftentimes we hear a convicting word because we're down on ourselves and we tend to feel the condemnation and, and all of that that is going on in our lives when the reality of it is is that God does not bring a condemning word he may give you a convicting word but he doesn't bring a condemnation upon you. So that is not what it's all about at all. We pick and we choose and, and there's some things we choose and others we refuse. But we've got to say we accept the word of God that it will change my life. And whatever doesn't line up with the word of God, I must say, nevertheless. Amen. 
When the devil tells you you can't, we need to put a nevertheless in and say, I know my family may be background and I know where I came from, but nevertheless, I know I haven't been, I haven't seen prosperity yet, but nevertheless, I know my business failed, but nevertheless, I know my marriage is a mess, but nevertheless, my life is upside down, but nevertheless, amen, it's a new season and it's a new day a fresh anointing is coming and I choose to say nevertheless amen Peter used this transitional word nevertheless and he went from telling Jesus how hard he had worked and what with no results that came with it and he said nevertheless I'm going to do what you told me to do But there's a little problem here in Peter's obedience. Look at this. Now, I've shared it with you before, but it just resonates in my spirit this week. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. The problem is, is Jesus did not instruct him to let down a net. He told him to let down the nets plural Peter only obeyed partially why because he was still focused on the toil his labor and his failure instead of focusing on the future of God's word in his life amen Peter obeyed he obeyed partially and we see that he got a partial blessing he was he received proportion in which he was obedient to the same measure of our act of obedience is the same measure that we will receive the blessing from the obedience amen when we do a portion of what god has told us to do we we limit the blessing that god wants to give to our lives amen don't we tend to do the same thing that peter did that, that, that we just say, well, you know, I know that that's what I feel like that the Lord's wanting. I want Holy Spirit speaking to me to do it. But, but I, I've, I've done this a long time. I've worked at this hard. <laughs> I've done this. I've labored. I've done that before. I've tried it before. It, doesn't it mess you up whenever God tells you to do something that you've done before and it failed and now he asks you to do it again? It messes with your mind. It messes with your flesh. We don't have a problem if we've done it before and it worked. And Holy Spirit speaks to us to do it again. But what about when you've worked, you've labored, you put everything into it that you possibly could do and came up zero failure and then he looks at you the next day and says, do it again. Hallelujah. When we only do it in proportion to limited proportion then that's what we're going to receive is a limited blessing in essence our obedience says i will bless uh, you'll be blessed according to that which you commit to if you just barely committed to it and say well i'll just test it out i'll just try it and see what happens then that's the blessing you're going to get but why don't we if we're going to obey why don't we just go wholeheartedly after god 
Give him everything. Trust him. Go for broke, as it is said. Amen. And give him everything. And say, God, I will act in obedience and total obedience to what you are speaking to my life. You see, sometimes our past failure, we have difficulty dreaming or imagining a new level or a blessing that God wants to give us in the future. We tend to think he just wants to take us from McDonald's to Applebee's. Amen. A limited blessing. But can I tell you today that whenever God speaks to us, he isn't interested in just taking us from an upgrade from McDonald's to Applebee's. He has in mind taking you from McDonald's to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I see some of you have never been there. I have a couple of times when other people were paying. (laughs) Amen. But God wants us to have more than what our minds can imagine. But because of our past experiences, we tend to believe that God doesn't want to do it so big. When he when God spoke to when Jesus spoke to him, he said nets. He didn't have Applebee's in mind. But because Peter had a limited expectation of what could happen because of what had happened, it limited him to what his potential was. And what I'm saying to you today is that God wants us, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that however many nets that Peter would have taken out that day, it would have never been enough. If he would have taken 10 nets out, those 10 nets would have begun to break. If he would have taken a hundred nets out, those hundred nets would have begun to break and they would have had a great harvest of fish. Why? Because that is the, the, what uh, Peter's mind was able to comprehend, what he was able to grab hold of. And we've got to dare to believe God, my brothers and sisters. We've got to break the mentality of yesterday. We've got to break the limitation of failure of days past. And we must embrace the future word of the Lord over our life the prophetic potential that he has for us that we can begin to believe that eyes have not seen ears have not heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for us he has great abundance he has great potential he has a greater power network that we can ever imagine but we've got to be willing to say nevertheless Nevertheless, at this moment, you see, I believe through this experience, God is saying that if you have the faith to believe me, I have the power to bring it to pass. Second Kings chapter 13, Elisha is about to step off of the scene. He is, he is about to die and, and the king has a problem with Syria and jo, jo, Joash, he comes and he, he, and Elijah tells him, he said, get you a bow and get you some arrows. And he tells him to begin, take the, the, the bow and shoot it out the window. And then he tells him to take the arrows and begin to strike the ground. Do you remember? Yeah. And he strikes the ground three times. 
and he quits. And Elijah says, it gets angry with him and says, you should have struck the ground six times. Because now all you're going to have is three victories against Syria. But had you had the faith to strike the ground six times, you would have totally annihilated Syria. Your enemy would have been defeated once and for all. You see, when God calls to us and he gives us open invitation, don't be narrow-minded. Don't be limited in your thinking. Don't allow your past to determine what you believe God for. Amen. But rise up in faith. Let your spirit begin to speak and say, yes, I know this, that, and the other, but nevertheless, none of that counts. None of that matters because I hear the report of the Lord. I hear the promise of God. I know that his word is true. And so nevertheless, I'm not just going to settle for mediocrity. I'm not selling for Applebee's, but I'm going to believe God for the miraculous. I'm going to believe him for signs and wonders. I'm not just going to believe him for one family member. I'm going to believe him the whole house is going to be saved. I'm not believing him that I just barely get along meagerly in my finances, but I dare to believe God that I'm so blessed I can be a blessing to somebody else. Glory to God. Dare to believe him for miraculous things. Come on and give him praise here today. You see, whenever God speaks to you and says to do a thing, we must do it. God says, step out. Quit your job. Start a business. Don't respond, okay, in seven years, ten years after I retire. (laughs) No. I'm not telling you that this is for everybody, but if God speaks to you and says do it, then you do it. You trust him. And if we don't, you know what happens? We end up being a bad employee to a good employer that has given us terrific benefits. And in the end of our life, we never experience the fullness of what God has intended for our life. He has something greater. He has something more extravagant than we can imagine, but we settle for getting by. God says, quit. Then quit. He says, stay, then you stay. He says, sell, you sell. He says, buy, you buy. You just be obedient. And the act of obedience, God makes a way for us. Amen. Let me break it down a little easier because, you know, even though we have entrepreneurs in the house, everybody isn't called to that kind of thing, but everyone is called to be obedient. So let me break it down just a little bit further, a little bit easier. If God says, stand and raise your hands, stand and raise your hands. If God tells you to go and and, and to the altar and pray, who cares what somebody else thinks? We've got all bound up in this religious stupidity and and the expectations of people and what somebody says. Listen, people are going to talk, so just let them talk. Amen. 
but we've allowed it to get us so bound up that nobody responds anymore. You can't tell me that we come into a holy atmosphere where the presence of God is and God don't say nothing to nobody. You can't make me believe that, 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 that we walk with the Lord every day of the week and he quits talking on Sunday. Huh? But the problem is, is the church has become, uh, it has become for, it has become, and I want to be kind of careful what I'm saying, but it really, well, I'll just say it. It, it. The church has become so commercialized and so entertaining that we think that we love the worship team, huh? We love the worship. We love the anointing. We love the giftness. But somehow we got in our minds that if they sing, that somehow we've sung. Huh? That somehow that if, 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 if we've gone through the process and we've gone through the motions of some 30, 40 minutes in, in worship and, and, we, that, and yet we haven't opened our mouth, we haven't put our hands together, we haven't put any flesh on it, we, we haven't raised our hands, we haven't said amen, we haven't sung a word, but somehow because, because they're singing it, we've sung. Amen. And that devil is a liar. We miss out on it, praise God. Because you see, the reality of it is that, that they're just here to lead us and create an atmosphere for us to enter into and give God our praise. Because even though they may be able to sing better than I can sing and they can certainly play better than I can play, there isn't nobody that can worship God like I worship him because God has done something for me he has done for nobody else. And your, your praise is like the snowflake. There's not any of them that are all the same, but God's done something for you. He's done for nobody else. And he, he wants your praise. He wants your worship. And so don't come to church and set on the praise. Don't come to church and act like God isn't. Begin to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, I'll lift my hands. Do you know that, that, that and we've not, it isn't just about worship, but it's about the preaching of the word, that, that it's like a, a one-man show and the preacher's the only one that hears from the Lord. But I want to tell you today that it is every one of us have the potential to hear the voice of God. And we need to listen for his voice and be obedient to his voice because it is one act of obedience that will change the atmosphere. Here. I've seen church services so dead and dry, you could smell the bombing fluid when you walked in the door. Amen. Nobody doing nothing, just it was so cold and dry and dead. But one person having a small, little, uh, in, seemingly insignificant act of obedience would break that thing and cause the heavens to open up and the situation would shift in a moment. It might be a hallelujah. It might be a clapping of the hands. It might be somebody coming and responding to the altar. I'm not, it may be somebody just saying, I had you on my mind and I just want to come and pray for you. And it would shift the atmosphere and you could see God do a thing. What are you saying? I'm telling you today that it's just an act of obedience. As I told you last week, I sense, and I'm not prophesying, but I sense within myself that in the six, next six to eight months, there is going to be a significant shift in the body of Christ. And it's not going to come through an evangelist. It's not going to come through super duper. It's going to come through people being obedient to the word of the Lord and saying here I am God I'll give you a praise I'll give you a clap I'll give you an amen 
deliverance and hope. Amen. And so, when you hear the word preach, we get excited about the bigness of God and his promises, but somewhere in our walk of faith, we stop and we limit the fullness of what he's saying. We see with limited expectation and receive accordingly. We settle for less than what God has promised because we have learned better now. We, we know better now. We, we've, we've been doing this a while and, and we know what works and what doesn't until we quit doing anything. Amen? But the thing I love about God is he's a totality God. He's an all-in kind of God. (laughs) Amen. Whenever he does something, he does it all the way. When he died, he died all the way. Amen. When his blood was shed, he shed it all. When he gave his spirit, he gave it all. And when he arose, (laughs) he arose completely over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. He, he did not pay an ultimate, all-sufficient, inconclusive price for us to settle halfway on his word. He did it so that we would receive the totality, the total, the completion, the finished work of the word of God in our lives. And for us to settle for anything else is injustice to what Jesus paid for you and I. In Genesis, Abraham and God had a conversation. And during the talk, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. It's significant because whenever he called him no longer Abram, but Abraham, Abraham means father of a multitude. He wasn't saying to him, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a multitude of sons. Huh? Watch this. He said to him, he said, you're going to be the father of many. And during that conversation, God told Abraham to look at the stars and count them. And Abraham started counting the stars. And I'm not getting into deep theological reasoning I just want to make it real simple but he said to Abraham count the stars and Abraham said I can't count the stars I have to believe that God chuckled and laughed and said well then count the sand in the by the sea and see him picking it up one hand maybe two and he looked down the sea and said there's no way I can count it all. God said, that's going to be your descendants. He had to get get Abraham to see it. He had to show Abraham the stars and the sand so he could begin to imagine it and begin to see it because he had to get Abraham impregnated with the vision before he could get his wife impregnated with the promise. 
And once Abraham was impregnated with the vision, vision always precedes the promise. If you can't see a thing, you'll never have a thing. Amen. Because the word of the Lord always begins with vision. Amen. And every time he saw the stars, he was reminded of the promise. Every time he looked down, he, he may have had a bad day and he looked down at the sand of the seas and he was reminded of the promise. Every time that he saw it, he began to see it and he began to believe it. That my name is not Abram, my name is Abraham. I'm a father of many nations. I'm a father of a multitude. Amen. And as a result of him getting pregnant with the vision, now Sarah could get impregnated with the promise that God had given them. What are you saying? I'm telling you today, we've got to look beyond because that's what he told Abraham, didn't he? He said, he said, now, you know, envision this with me. God comes and visits him and he said, as far as you can see, Abraham, I want you to look to the the north, the south, the east, and the west. Huh? And, and, and you, you've heard that story. You take, take a trip and don't leave the house. Well, Abraham was taking a trip and never left the house. He was drinking his mocha that morning. And he was meditating on the goodness of God. And God began to say, Abraham, if you can see it, I'll give it to you. He wasn't saying, go out there and look how far you can see. He was saying in the spirit to him, if you can believe me for it, if you can see it in your spirit, then I'm big enough to bring it to pass. And I just want to say to somebody today, don't allow your yesterday to determine your faith today. Don't allow the circumstances of yesterday or even the failures of your past to limit how big God is. I hear Holy Spirit saying like to Abraham today, if you can see it, then you can have it. If you believe me for it, then I'll impregnate you with it. And the promise of God, the miracle of God, the power of God will bring it to pass. God will give you a nevertheless word even in the midst of your trouble. Hallelujah. See, God, God wants us to believe him. That's all. Believe and respond accordingly. Amen. It's impossible to see what is around you when you're always looking down. Amen. Looking down is a posture of defeat. But you've got to lift up your head. Amen. My football coach drilled it into me. Because whenever I would be on the line, you know, I guess you know I ain't, wasn't no tied in. <laughs> you don't get this big eating salad, i tell you that. But he'd drill it into me. He'd say, Matthews, don't get your, put your head down, put your head up so you can see your opponent. You're aware of where they're at at all times. And I, I believe today that we, 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 it's clear that we have a victim mentality when we're all the time walking around spiritually with our heads down. And we can't see what is ahead of us. All we can think about is what is behind us. 
Amen. But we've got to rise up today and pick up our head and begin to look not where we are, but where we're going. There's a reason why your rear view mirror is very minute to the size of your windshield. It's because it doesn't matter so much of what is behind you as it does what is ahead of you. And you've got to rise up and say, I'm not about to allow what has been to determine what shall be. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to launch into this deep. I'm going to receive what you have for me. I'm going to believe you that you're not going to just bless me to go to Applebee's, but I'm on my way to Ruth's Chris and God is a very good God and he wants me to be blessed all the time amen too many people just see 10 feet ahead of them and when we are nearsighted we deprive ourselves of the abundance beyond our sight all you can see is what is right here then you will never believe for what is out there We've got to enlarge in our vision. We've got to be more than just small-minded and deprive ourselves of the supernatural. Have, Have you believed God for anything that is bigger than you are able to accomplish? We inherit small things because we believe small things. But what about us believing God for something that is bigger than we are. I don't want to go to preach in another message today, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And yet God tells us that when we are saved, that he gives each man a measure of faith. This is what I believe. I believe that when we live life so safe that we do not have to make a withdrawal from the deposit of faith in which God has placed within us to live our lives, then we are unpleasing to God. But there's got to be something in our lives that makes a demand on the faith that God has placed in us that says, this might not work. This might flop. This may, this may not even work out the way that I think it's going to work out, but I'm giving room for the Holy Spirit. I'm giving room for the Holy Spirit to do what I can't do myself. I'm giving room to the Holy Spirit. I, I know that I, I've done it before and it's failed, but nevertheless. I know other people have tried it and it hasn't worked, but nevertheless. Just because somebody has never done it doesn't mean it can't be done. Amen. It's time for us to say yes to God. Nevertheless, at your word. I want to encourage you today and hope that I've helped somebody, challenged somebody, but I want to encourage you today to take some time and worship God. Worship is more than just Well, it's so much that it would take years to preach and teach. But worship is, it creates an atmosphere for you to see in the spirit.
to see in the future. When we begin to worship God, it be, something happens in worship that opens up the spirit and we stop seeing with eyes of the flesh and we begin to see in the supernatural. I've never seen a depressed worshiper. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody that is depressed, overwhelmed, and stay there. That is a worshiper. There's several reasons for that, but real quickly. It changes everything when you begin to worship. Your focus gets off of who you are and you begin to think about who he is. You forget about your limitation and you think about his ability. And you begin to worship him. And as you begin to worship him, he begins to speak to you, not of the natural, but the things of the spirit. And as we begin to worship him and create that atmosphere that is conducive for anything to happen, we begin to realize it isn't about all of my works. It's about him. It isn't about my past. It's about him. See, the enemy wants to keep us down. He wants to keep us depressed. You know, most people that are depressed because not of their future but because of their past think about what has been what is what's going on yesterday but in worship somehow by his grace we crawl out of what has been and we begin to believe him for what shall be we begin to trust him that God I know all of this is true. I know all of these are factual. It's not a but, but it's a nevertheless. At your word, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bless your name. So today, I ask you, what are you going to do with the word? How are you going to respond to the word? Are you going to let him have a private conversation with you today after the public message is over? Let him speak privately to you. Stand with me today.